Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. And hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leela McRae is with me as usual. And Leland, let's jump in to the high school football season. We are now approaching the last week of the regular season, but last week we saw Wilson Memorial close out with a big win against Fort Defiance, 21-8, to uh, setting up their season finale at home against Stanton. But we'll talk about that in a minute. But for me, this Wilson Memorial game was a game Wilson – you and I have talked about this at nauseum, and I don't want to harp on it too much this week because I don't want to make people feel bad. But we had said there's two playoff teams in this area. Fort and Wilson weren't the two playoff teams we were talking about. So for this, it was more of a bragging rights. See which program is in a better place heading into the fall with a shortened off season. And it does look like Wilson. For me, I'm not surprised because it's kind of been that way the whole season. Um, it, it's looked that way. I've seen Wilson play better uh, that win against gap the week before kind of signaled to me like, okay, Wilson's really making strides. Um, I saw him beat Waynesboro. We we've seen how good Waynesboro has been this year, uh, but for them to beat Waynesboro and then after getting beaten by draft and riverheads, like everyone else is to go out and beat gap and Rebound Fort, really well and Fort, it, it says a lot about the direction of the green Hornets. Yeah. I, I was pumped to see that. Like, uh, you know, you could have convinced me either way for Fort mm-hmm. or Wilson in that game. And I think last week we brought it up and I was hesitant to even pick the game. Like, I don't, I don't think I've made a declarative statement. I was just like, yeah, I could see it going either way. Like I like, I like Caden Welcher and he's a senior. So like, that's one like break check I have going to the fall. Like who, you know, he's doing a lot for that offense and that offense was pretty anemic these last couple of years. So like, I want to, you know, see what's going to happen there, but I have, I, I kind of have faith it's going to be a good choice or, you know, someone someone in the right spot's going to be in there. Uh, it's going to be someone that's won some football games as an underclassman uh, this year. So, like, I think they can go into that season with confidence. So I don't really disagree with the idea of this sets Wilson up better for the fall. I do like a lot of the pieces Fort Defiance has coming back um, for in this fall season. So I'm not like just writing Fort completely off, but I do think Wilson's a step ahead. And I, I think that's awesome. You know, if this is a eight-team region playoff this year, Wilson's sitting right there. They're mm-hmm. sitting on that eight spot, and they're looking to, you know, beat uh, Stanton this week to make the playoffs, and that would be a very, you know, optimistic view there. So, like, that's in- that's incredible. And, and just because the different logistics of the season is what's keeping Wilson out of the playoffs, that's absolutely great for a first-year coach uh, there at Wilson. So, I, you know, I Wilson beating Fort on its own is like, okay, like – I could see that going either way. The fact that they were up 14, nothing quickly and then just maintained the rest of that game and, and played well on defense, only giving up the one touchdown. Like I, that's kind of what I took more away from that was how they won that game and how they controlled it. So a very positive feelings towards Wilson when I was reading those scores on Friday night. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great win for Wilson and for Fort. It kind of maybe feeds into your, your bigger fears of, an improved Wilson and an improving Waynesboro coming into the district next year. District. Yep. Uh, Buffalo Ford's defense has got to get better. Yeah. Uh, and I, I may know that. I mean, it's not like these coaches there. Well, their offense this year has the been, amount of- their offense this year has been a problem. I mean, 21 to eight, your defense, if you can't win a high school football game, only giving up 21 points, that's kind of on your offense. So 
I, I think this year the offense has been just as big of an issue as the defense. I, yeah, for a one and four team, I guess you can probably look at both sides of the ball and have your issues. But I, I guess Fort Defiance's defense, I've kind of looked at it more positively, like in these recent years of five and five. Like I thought, mm-hmm. okay, they have a little bit of something here, they have a little bit of something here, and for it to drop back off, like if it was just the offense, I'd feel a lot better for them. So, you know, everybody's got things to fix, and not even. I mean, you talk to drafts. Uh, or Riverheads, they're going to tell you things that they, they could do better. So, like, everybody's going to have their things they can do better. Fort just might have a little bit longer of a list right now. Uh, looking at Buffalo Gap, they went to Riverheads. They had lost the week before to Wilson in a disappointing game. That was a game that they're going to look back at this offseason, especially after Friday night when these PowerPoints ever had. And they could have snuck in there. If they would have beat Wilson last week, they could lose, have lost that game to Riverheads, and just like they did, and and still kind of had a shot going into last week of the season. I really think they're going to look back at that Wilson game and really wonder what could have been, what they could have done sneaking into playoffs there. Probably face draft and lose quickly, but you know that playoffs is better than no playoffs. But they scored in the first half against Riverheads, which is something no other district team had done this season, and they did a, you know, it was a good play call. They they sucked Riverheads in with the run game and, and taking that snap and, and you know, whoever's taking the snap and running the football and, and doing what they do, uh, they finally just popped one out. And it was uh, Rivenberg that popped it downfield and got the guy for a touchdown. And, and that was a great play call. Then the wheels absolutely – it's like they had the one positive thing and then they gave up three straight one-play uh, drives to Riverheads. And, and what was a 21-8 game – 21-6 game was – 42 to six instantly, like within five minutes of life, it was just absolutely out of control and riverheads, you know, smashed them kind of worse than I honestly thought they would have. I mean, they put 63 points on gap. I, I don't know if they've done that before. Like usually those riverheads got games, even when they're one sided or 49 to a touchdown or two, like they just smashed them. And it, it, it the offense stood out to me for riverheads. Um, they had eight guys score their nine touchdowns. I mean, everybody was getting in the end zone. Uh, they threw for a touchdown. I mean, the the offensive machine of Riverheads looks well-oiled. And the only reason I'm not going to sit here and tell you how great the defense is is because I think they're about to face the only team that has a defense comparable to them on this side of the state. And so I think Riverheads is in good shape. Riverheads obviously is in good shape. They've been all season. Um, but it was just in that rivalry. I just that was one of the most one-sided games I had seen. And it was all because of that second quarter fall apart from the Bison. And then there's always the penalties with Gap. There's always these penalties, and it doesn't matter. I've seen three different head coaches, maybe four different head coaches. If I'm going back to when I played uh, when I played football, like there's always these penalties out of Gap that just make no sense. There's these personal fouls that just make no sense. You know, you get a 15 person, 15 yard personal foul on a face mask and then an unsportsman like on top of that and the game's over that's what i was saying on my broadcast was just like guys the game's over don't don't do this like don't we don't need these penalties this isn't a battle right now so it's just it's just frustrating to see you over there and it's not a head coach thing i'm not putting it on um the head coach out there because his name's uh escaping me at the very wagon wagon i'm not putting it on him because it's a traditional thing out there i think you when you drive to school through that gap in the mountain, something tells you to go hit somebody in the head when you shouldn't after a play ends. Uh, yeah, I didn't see this game. I know you got to call it, and you have a lot more insight to it than I do. But uh, just based on what I've seen this year for Buffalo Gap, this the Wilson loss, 
I wonder how much of it they could put on, hey, they're looking ahead to Riverheads. But let me tell you, if I'm a Gap, if I'm a Gap fan, what I would be worried about with that Wilson loss, because it's leading into this fourth game, which I don't think yeah. is a guarantee for Buffalo Gap. No. They're a one-trick pony. They're going to run the ball, and if Ford Defiance or anybody they're playing can stop the run, Buffalo Gap is dead in the water. They are going to be more, that offense is going to be moving less than that ship in the Suez Canal, which blocked the canal for nine days or whatever it was. That offense can't move. And so defensively, you saying Riverheads can pass on them. If you have... I mean, they threw one pass and it was complete for a touchdown. I mean, I'd... Well, okay, but what I'm going to say (laughs) is if you have a semi-comparable passing game, you're going to look like you have Drew Brees back there. It's just their defense doesn't impress me all that much when they have to do more than one thing. The reason they hung with Stewart's draft for a half is because Stewart's draft just strictly didn't pass the ball for the first half of that game. And that's why Buffalo Gap was very much in that game. When Stewart Straff was like, all right, we're going to bring our quarterback in more and we're going to actually run an offense. They blew them off the face of the earth because Buffalo Gap can't stop two things at once. Since Rankin, I guess, is quarterback out there, they, they've been lacking a, a good quarterback. And, and it's it's hard to see. And that's across different coaches. I mean, this isn't all on wagon, but it's just the personnel he has has not produced another quarterback yeah. out there. I, yeah. You've got and to have the threat of throwing the ball. That's why Riverheads, like, Riverheads only runs the ball. But, like, they do throw – like, they got to have the threat of throwing the ball. And and, and they've had a good strain of very, uh, very successful guys throwing the football. Um, I mean, Kendall threw the heck out of – Kendall Castro threw the heck out of the football. But even the guys since then, like, they do what they got to do passing wise and they're successful enough they're not throwing a bunch of interceptions they're throwing look down there look at three three guys and throw it to the open one and if they're not open run the ball and it works because they got to have that threat of being able to throw the football down the field and even and, the stanton game though that gap won i mean it was it was only because the receivers for stanton didn't catch the ball dropping it yeah so riverheads wins that one we'll talk more about riverheads here in a second Stewart draft is the other reason we'll talk about riverheads here in a second they played at stanton 49 nothing they scored early and often. I know Stanton was searching for positives out of that game on a senior night, on a loss there. Um, I mean, draft took the foot off the gas pedal too. Was this was part of it? So, you know, I, I like the quotes in the paper that you know Stanton made it hard on him in this spot and that spot, and that's why they kind of went dead in the second quarter. But I don't know. You play straight games now has it been for Stewart's draft just like it has been for Riverheads where they just are blowing the doors off these people so it the cream has really risen to the top here with Stewart's draft and Riverheads being the top of the district and and that's what we saw with them against Stanton yeah I agree and again I I think for me at least when I'm looking at what Stewart's draft and Riverheads have done to these teams I mean Stewart's draft's defense has given up one touchdown the entire year And, and you know I guess Going back to what we said at the top, credit to Wilson, it's them. But um, Stewart Straff has just looked dominant defensively, and, you know, Stanton can say what they want. Stanton's problem is they can't compete with that this year. And I'm not trying to down, you know, put down the kids at Stanton. They're young, and, you know, they, they're going to have a lot of learning to do, um, and they, they'll have time to do it. But Stewart's draft and Riverheads are finished products right now. They are legitimate contenders for region titles and state playoff runs. And in Riverhead's case, state championship, 
I think is definitely a thing that they can look forward to. Stewart's draft, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I wouldn't rule it out, but Riverheads, with the class of competition they're going to be playing in a playoff, is set up for more success than Stewart's draft might be. But, but I, I will say this, and we'll kind of, I guess, skip ahead and then come back to Wayne. I want to talk about Sam for a second, though, but. Okay, well, you do your Stanton point before I get going on draft and Riverheads. Uh, the quarterback, you, which quarterback did you like best for Stanton when you called their game? Scott. Okay. They played that Walker Darby kid more in this game, I believe. He's a sophomore quarterback, so I, I, was, I was hopeful that he was the one that you were talking about. So I, I was looking, they have some pieces. They have a quarterback and a receiver that are sophomores. You know, you, can, you have running backs available. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I, I like Phillips. I, you know, he went through Bath County. I played against him when I played. I, um, I don't know. I cheer for the guy. It's not like I'm a, you know, it's not like my closet fandom of Gap is coming out here on Stanton. I want all of them to win and be good. I don't want to have teams that are just getting rolled over every week. But I'm just cheering for Phillips. I, I just hope things can get turned around there sooner than later. It's just it's been a rough two years, and it's coming off the success they had, you know, being in the state championship and Jeromo did a great job with that program. Um, Tibbs had won a lot pre- mm-hmm. before him. So like a lot of winning has happened at Stanton, uh, particularly during the regular season. But I mean, Jeromo took it where it hadn't been before and took him to Salem and took him to the championship game. Like, I just wish they weren't just on the opposite side of the earth from that right now. And I think these, that East rock game had me fooled because I thought East rock was going to be better than they were. And I just, I don't know. I guess I feel fooled every, like it reminds me of being fooled every week when, Hey, Stanton won that first game against East rock and it was fool's gold. So, uh, and look, I'm basing this on a one game sample size that I saw, but the game I saw Scott looked far better than Darby to me, but again, I'm not at practice, so I'm not questioning that decision. Yeah. I'm just saying the game I saw Scott appeared to be the better quarterback and, and Scott has, a dual threat capability that Walker Darby does not. So I think that's another advantage that he brings to the table. Let's talk about TA Waynesboro. I'm, I was pumped that Waynesboro held tight with TA there. I like, they were in that game. They were winning in that game uh, through the first half, I believe. Uh, then TA got up and TA, mm-hmm. TA is a better team than Waynesboro. Oh, Waynesboro hung right there. And they, I mean, they, they lost by 11. That's more than one score. Sure. But I, I, this is something you can build off of. You got your win last week. You're hanging with, Good teams, uh, you know, six nothing against Harrisonburg a couple weeks ago. Hanging with TA, who's playing for the district this week. Like, there's a lot to be positive about about Waynesboro compared to where you were, you know, for the last two years, three years. So I, I was, I was pumped seeing those scores come in. Yeah, I. This goes back to kind of you know similar stuff we're going that we said about Wilson, but seeing the growth I've seen in Waynesboro's program this year has just been astounding. Uh, what they've been able to accomplish. They were in that Wilson game for a little bit, and then it kind of got away from them uh, in the opener. But then, as you said, the Harrisonburg game was close. They do go out. They beat East Rock. And I think you and I said, you know, when that happened, we're like, well, good thing you did that because, unfortunately, you're playing TA next. But as you said, it's only an 11-point loss. And this is a team that before 11-point losses are victories – uh, you might as well count that as a win because that's going to be the closest you get to it. Well, now they've already beaten East Rock, even if East Rock is down. Waynesboro was down last year. I mean, yeah. Waynesboro was, was forfeiting games. games. Yeah. Waynesboro was forfeiting games because they didn't have enough kids. That's not a problem now. And I think, you know, it just, goes, program. it just goes to show you what Coach Jarvis has been able to do over there already in year one. It makes me really excited for Waynesboro because I think yeah. starting next year, 
Uh, it's going to be a shortened off season, so there might still be a little bit of a learning curve those first two weeks still of the season next year in the fall. But I am going to be very interested to see what Waynesboro can do in the Shenandoah district because looking ahead, you know, hey, uh, Buffalo Gap not looking great this year. What can Buffalo Gap do? Maybe that's a game Waynesboro can get. Wilson, is all, it always seems to be a close game for at least a little bit, and if Waynesboro can hang in there better, who knows what happens there? Fort, who knows what happens there if you're Waynesboro? So that's three games that you're looking at in district that you're like, ah, maybe we can win that game. Yeah, and I'm excited that, I mean, they got a lot of pieces. I think that Barber kid is still young. Uh, the Powell kid is not a senior. I think a couple names on defense that stood out to me were not senior. So, I, you know, I think they're going to bring back a lot of guys that have have experienced the win and uh, playing tough against good teams, and so I'm excited for them. All right, now let's jump into next week. And, I mean, the only that you got to start where the biggest showdown that we have for these teams in Augusta County, and that's what everybody's had circled since the schedule got put out. Heck, it was probably scheduled in August when we thought we were going to play football in the fall. Riverheads hosting Stewart's draft. The district title's on the line. A a banner for a district title is not the standard at Riverheads. And honestly, at this point at Stewart's draft, you know, they're looking for more as well. But it's still a Shenandoah district championship. It's still a piece of the puzzle. It's still something to be proud of. That's about the only thing on the line in this game, though. Both of these teams are going to stay one seed in their region. Stewart's draft will stay the one seed in 2B uh, due to them beating up against each other down below them. And uh, you're going to have Riverheads that uh, they could not even show up to a home game and they would still be the one seed uh, in 1B there. And so that's about that's all on the line. But it's bragging rights. I mean, this, these two teams are close to each other. I think the series right now is like 26-25 in favor of Riverheads. Last year it was tied at 25 each. Four Riverheads, uh, they won that game pretty handily. And it was another one of these um, undefeated last week of the season showdowns. They had it in 16, draft won that game in overtime. They had it in 19, the last season we had. Riverheads, you know, pulled away in that one. So it, it's a fun. It's a fun series. It's a fun rivalry. Uh, just a stretch of 340 dividing these two schools. And uh, I, I, I'm disappointed that the world is not in a place where we can have a load of fans in this game because it would be packed and it would be kind of the measure and stick going into playoffs for these teams where, you know, where do people line up? You know, draft is one of the best in class two. How does Riverhead sit against them? Riverheads is the perennial all timer state defending champion. They beat us last year. Where does Stewart Strauss set up against them? Like I I'm excited about this game. I'm excited. I get to call it. I'm excited. I get to call it on the radio as well as the NFHS network. I'm pumped. Yeah, I, I'm glad you're able to call it, too, and it's going to be a great game. Uh, it's on a Thursday, we should mention. Um, but draft Riverheads, to me, this is going to be one of the more exciting matchups, uh, which is one of the reasons it's a bummer I won't be able to get there and be able to call it with you. But um, it it's going to be one of the more exciting matchups that these two teams have had in my time in the area. And I think a lot of that goes back to what I was touching on earlier with Stewart's draft's defense. Their defense has been, we talked about the defense last year for draft. And I think this year it's, there are moments where I'm like, maybe this defense is better. Like, yes, they lost a lot from that defense last year, but they are just going out and shutting people down. And some of that is yes, Buffalo gap, one trick pony, not hard to shut them out. Um, But for, for them to be able to shut out every single team they're playing, they're, they shut out Loray. And uh, Loray is a team that 
or I'm sorry, they did not play Larray. They played Glenver. Uh, I draft, confused up. Game. Yeah, I confused up the yep. gap and uh, yep. draft schedules there. But they played Glenver. They shut out Glenver, who is a good team. And so for me, when I'm looking at draft, I'm like, yeah, you're beating up on all these teams. You you have a quarterback that is actually looks extremely dangerous in the pocket. If they can protect their quarterback in this game, Vance, I, I think you're looking at maybe Stewart draft gets this win on the road at Riverheads. I, I don't think that's shocking thing to say. I, I know before the season I said, I don't see anybody being within three scores of Riverheads. Going into this game now, I think this is going to be within three scores. I think this might come down to you know the fourth quarter, last possession, the outcome of the game could still be up in the air. So I, I think Stewart's draft is a really good football team. Now, the problem is you're going up against Riverheads, and Riverheads is dominant. And that, that's going to be part of what Coach Floyd, I think, is going to have to battle here with his kids. Because Stewart's draft was a team that went to the state championship last year, and they got blown off the face of the earth by Riverheads. So part of that is going to be getting into his kids' heads. Hey, we belong here. We can compete with these guys. It's kind of the advantage Riverheads has in this area over some of these teams, too, is the legend and the the myth or the ethos of Riverheads. You're not just playing the kids on the field. You're playing the mentality of, we're the Riverheads gladiators. We're better than you, and you're just a pit stop on the way for us trying to win another state championship. Yeah, um, that's how it got treated last year. I mean, for sure, that's how it got treated last year. And I guess, I, I mean, I agree. This could come down to the fourth quarter. I'm not, I'm, I'm no way am I saying this is some kind of blowout. I think it's going to be a good game. I just too often see Riverheads, particularly at home, just outlast um, the opponent, whoever it is. Good teams, bad teams. They just, even if like a, a, even a little bit worse team comes in and they're playing the game of their lives, Riverheads outlast them. So I just... And it's not like Stewart Strauss has been tested through four quarters in a lot of games this season. Not like Riverheads is either. I just think Riverheads tends to be strong in the fourth quarter by tradition more than anything. So I just lean that way. And I'm a homer. How about that? Like I'm a Riverheads guy. I'm calling all I've seen Riverheads play every game this season. I've been tracking every each and every carry and stat. I, I'm a Riverheads homer. I think they're going to win. But I, it's darn not impossible that Stewart Strauss comes out and wins this game. Their offense is... I mean, you were telling me you think their offense is, is as good or better than it's been. And then their defense is only about one touchdown all season to the, you know, four of the same five teams that Riverheads has played. So it's it's interesting. I, I, I think I think Riverheads wins. I think they do what they have to in the fourth quarter to, to win. Yeah. And, and look, if I'm picking this game, I would say I agree with you. I think Riverheads at the end of the day wins the game because. It just seems like, as you said, Riverheads just finds a way to win in the fourth quarter at home, especially. Um, but I will say for Stewart's draft to win this game, it's not it's not as unlikely as it is most years. And if they sure. do win, I think it's going to be because of the quarterback play. I, I think that's going to be just the ultimate difference maker. If they can protect the quarterback, allow him to have just a little bit of time to find those receivers downfield that's how you beat this Riverheads team because then you can mix in the running game with Aaron Nice and Blake Roach for power and and that kind of stuff and uh, Dustin Fitzgerald. So that's when you mix in those guys and start to wear down Riverheads when you get a lead. But the problem with 
on the other side is Riverheads has so many weapons too. They're going to try to wear down that defense. I will say I haven't seen anyone run on this Stewart's draft defense. Now Riverheads has by far the best rushing attack in the area. So they haven't faced a rushing attack like Riverheads. We'll see if they, how that holds up, but it's the best opponents for both of these teams. Taswell, I'll say this. You, you, when we talked about this, and I don't know, maybe you've changed your mind on it. You seem to think this was going to be a shootout just because of how good the offenses are. I think this is going to be a defensive mess. I, I think first to 21 wins this game. I, I think this is going to be a low, low scoring game just because We've, both teams will try to run the ball to keep the other's offense off the field. But I also just feel like the defenses are that good for both of these teams. I think that's a fair point. I think the older school Riverheads fan is going to probably go to that a little bit quicker because back in the 2000s, that's a lot of those big games. That's how it kind of came down to. It's turned into a defensive battle. This new age Riverheads team in the last five, seven years has just been so offensively dominant and heavy. Um, you take out the Galax state championship game and it just seems like every other time it's, it's scoring's happening. Maybe maybe that Essex game over when we played, when we went over to there, play that semifinal. So there's examples. I just, Riverheads is so deep at running back and they're gonna They're going to get yards. They're going to get yards. I think Stewart's trap, maybe not give up the big play. So that'll keep scoring down, but I just do think Riverheads is going to score. So, I don't know. I, I, I guess shootout is probably not the right word to throw to it. If I said that, then it's probably the wrong word to use. But I could just – I don't see this being 7-6. to six. I don't see it being – that 21 number is probably not bad. Yeah, I I don't know. A lot of time is going to run off the clock when Riverheads has a football. Yeah, that's, and that's, and that's my point so why I think, I think it'll be a low-scoring game too because, yeah. as you said, I don't see Stewart's draft defense giving up too many big plays. Uh, so I, I think, you know – but I also 21-24, so, yeah, though, is probably, I think, where, where you end up for the winning team. And, and so I think that's that's what, in a high school football now, that's a low score. So, yeah, especially when you're looking at teams that are winning, you know, 50, 49 to nothing or 63 to 17 or whatever. As both these teams have done all season. Um, quickly, the other matchups, Fort at Gap. Okay, I think mathematically there's a way Gap – could get into the playoffs that means clark county would have to be beat by madison county who's zero and five that ain't happening so i'm sorry i would love for us to get another playoff team in there it's just not going to happen you got page and loray playing each other in front of you so one of those teams is going to be there strasburg plays stonewall and clark county plays madison you, you just don't have enough teams to drop out behind you especially when fort defiance is not a five-win football team that's going to give you some decent PowerPoints are going to give you one. I was going to say, in a way, in a way, you almost need Larray to to lose too, because if Larray beats Page, for Larray to lose, because if Larray beats Page, I think even a Clark County County loss. Yeah, I think even with a Clark County loss, you're on the outside looking in. So you, I, I I agree. I think you're rooting against Larray and you're rooting against Clark County, and Clark County's playing the worst team in the region. So, and I don't know if, I mean, that Page Larray game is a coin toss. I I don't know if I. At this point, I'm looking at Larray. Larray's playing a lot better than they were early mm-hmm. in the season. They have the Holloway kid there. I, I, I'm not going to say Larray's going to make a playoff uh, run in the playoffs, but I just, at this point, if I have to pick that game, I'm picking Larray. Yep. So, speaking, so as I go through these games, let's pick them. Let's talk about 
Waynesboro at Broadway. Broadway's much improved from where we circled this game early in the season, thinking maybe that's a chance for Waynesboro to win. They found their win the other week. Who do you got between Waynesboro and Broadway? I do think, uh, despite Waynesboro being improved, I do think yep. they're not quite good enough to take down Broadway. I would like Broadway in this game. I Since we're not like tracking pickums here, I want to pick Waynesboro here. And the only reason I'm doing that is to be contrary. And because Broadway's playing Harrisonburg on Tuesday. Broadway's playing Harrisonburg on Tuesday and Waynesboro on Thursday. I think that's insane scheduling. I know you want to get games in for your kids. I, I don't think it's healthy to have you play a... No, this isn't basketball. ...on Tuesday and then play another game on Thursday. Exactly. I, I think it's a bad idea. I think Broadway's going to be worn down. Lord knows what kind of you know injuries. You get injuries every week. You got guys that don't practice Monday, Tuesday, maybe come out on the field. Wednesday. You're not going to have any of that time. So, well, okay. I, Question. Question. Uh, yes, we want to get games in for the kids, you know, yada, yada. I think this is a health issue. I think it's safety. Yeah, it is going to be a health and safety issue. Uh, for the seniors, I understand. There is no next year for a lot of them because they're not going to go play in college. That And, okay. What about your juniors on down who, if somebody gets injured in this game, like a serious injury, you're going to lose them next year because guess what? Your season starts in August. Yeah, you don't have nine months. Yeah, you know? it's, yeah. to me, I, you're right. This isn't basketball. I we don't we try to be as nice as possible but that in my opinion is just plain dumb to schedule a football game Tuesday and then another one on Thursday it's just if it was dumb. a Monday Friday you know I'll, you know I'll the reason that the game in, yeah but. you know the reason that no other level of football does that because it's a really dumb thing to do yeah I I hope I'm wrong I hope Broadway yes I hope for the kids I hope for the kids no one gets hurt yeah. because an adult was not thinking about the dangers of playing a game Tuesday and Thursday. The other Valley District game I want to talk to is the other showdown in our area. Brockbridge County 5-0 and playing at TA 5-0. and We don't know a lot about these teams. <laughs> we know the quarterback's name at Rockbridge. We know his favorite target, the McClun kid. Uh, we know TA is up and coming. Who you got? I got Rockbridge by a lot. Oh, yeah? They're going to – Yeah, that's I, a three-score game. They're going to blow TA out. Woo! I'm going to take Rockbridge, but I'm going to take a close game, just, again, to be contrary. All right, so then let's get back into the county here. Stanton at Wilson. I got Wilson winning that one. Uh, they've won the last two, I believe, and I think they surprised people last year winning that finale last mm -hmm. at the end of the season. That made them 2-8. and eight. Uh, I think Wilson's just in a better place right now, so I got Wilson winning that game. Yeah, I would be really surprised if Wilson doesn't get this win. And I, I think the good news for Wilson is, you know, then you're ending your season – Four and two. That's a really great season. And you're we didn't have them at four and two. We didn't have them at yep. four and two in our preview. So this is a great, great finish. Yeah. And in terms yes. of the class three teams, you're the top of the class in the Shenandoah district. So um I again I think this is just a game. You're not there's no playoff hopes here for for Wilson. No. So this is about setting your program up and showing your kids, getting them to buy into the system. I think this is gonna be a great game for that. Jumping back real quick, because we're still talking about 3C there, that loser of Rockbridge TA could drop out of the playoffs. A 5-1 and one team in 3C there could could drop out of the playoffs. So just watch that when the PowerPoints and the announcements get made for playoffs. Um, I don't have all that built yet. Nope. Then uh, I don't know if I will either, but you just got to watch that. And that's, and that's what I tried to tell everybody as soon as they announced a six-game football season. I said, 4-2 and two ain't safe. 5-1 and one might not be safe. And this this game right here might prove that. Well, TA better be rooting against LCA because that's the only way they're getting in. 
is if LCA loses then. Because if an LCA win puts them in ahead of Turner Ashby, then Turner Ashby is gone. I don't have all the matchups written there, so uh, something to watch. Uh, Fort at Gap. I don't know who you got. Actually, most of the time I always know who you're going to pick, and mm-hmm. I usually have it in my head if I'm picking the same or different. Who are you picking between Fort and Gap? This is the game I myself don't know who I'm going to pick. I just... Hmm. I'm going to pick Buffalo Gap because yeah. I just think Fort Defiance this year has just been not what we've seen the past few years from Fort Defiance. If this was the Fort Defiance that we had seen the past few years, I would pick Fort, no doubt. But I think they've taken a step back this year, and I'm not putting that on the coaching or or the kids. It's just not the same level this year from Fort. So I, I think while Buffalo Gap has definitely struggled as well, and they've they've lost two in a row, I think they get a win here. Now, if they lose to Fort, this is a nightmare scenario for Buffalo Gap, in my opinion, because you've lost the you last off the cliff. Yeah, you've you've gone. Yeah, as you said, jumped off a cliff to close out the season. And you're again, look, I, I think this year more than most, it's important to close the season strong because it is a short off season, and that's going to be fresh in those kids heads as they go into another season. So it, it's more important to kind of be able to say, all right, guys, look, yeah, we didn't make the playoffs, but you know what? We really turned it around in that last game, showed a lot of character, showed a lot of heart. And this is how we're That's going to do better year. this year. Yeah, this is how we're going to do better this year. If if Gap goes in and it's just a you know a two and four season for Buffalo Gap, you can't have that, in my opinion. So I, I think this four game is tremendously important for them. Yeah, I mean they open the season with that win that I that I say Gap finds a way to win one game you wouldn't expect every year, and they did it in the first game. But now they've lost some games I wouldn't expect it either at that point. So mm-hmm. I think they win this game. Just I think I think I've I've seen Fort play some one-dimensional teams already this season. And they haven't really stopped them. So I, I think I think you know their one wins over Stanton. They haven't done anything with these other teams. And 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 Wilson scored quickly 14 of them. I could see Gap getting up a couple touchdowns and then just kind of maintaining similarly there. All right, the big one, Riverheads. Stewart's draft, Shenandoah district title on the line. That's about the only thing on the line other than bragging rights that you really don't care about. Uh, who you got? Well, I said it. Um, if I were to pick this game, I'd pick Riverheads. So um, okay. I've got them, but I've yeah. only got them by, like I said, I'll take them by a touchdown. I think it's going to be really close. I, I think it'll be close. I hope for my nerve's sake, uh, <laughs> I'm a better, I'm calling a better game when Riverheads wins by more than just one score. Uh, so <laughs> I hope Riverheads, uh, can at least get a score or two up. And, uh, I'm going to be honest, Leland, I like you. I hope I'm you a have homer, a great, a I hope you have a I'm great a homer, call honestly. no matter what, but if Stewart's draft is ahead in that game, I'm going to try my hardest to find a way to listen in because I know the <laughs> other regular season game that I called with you that we called and Riverheads lost, There, was, I filled more dead air that game <laughs> than I have any other game with you. So I just want to see what happens. Uh, <laughs> hey, when they lost that state championship to Galax, I was up at Salem in the booth. And there was times where I just like, I couldn't talk. I looked at Chip and I just like shook my head. Like, I'm not talking. Like, 
I couldn't trust the words that were going to come out of my mouth. And, oh, and excite, wow. like, it was an exciting game. Riverheads nearly stole that game. Nearly, they lost the state championship by one point, nearly stole it to win it. If they would have won that game, it would have been a theft. But I just, <laughs> and it was earlier in my announcement. I think, I hope I've gotten a little bit better with that. But yeah, it's, if it's a one score game and draft has the ball kind of situation, it's it's tough, uh, but I'll find a way through. If you might have the, the day, you might have the most depressing game <laughs> game ending and we touchdown. Got two Riverheads guys calling it. I mean, I know uh, I don't uh, Bill Pine. I don't think he graduated from Riverheads, but he's a Riverheads guy now uh, with his kids there, and he's done a lot of coaching up there. Bill Pine was calling on the on twelve forty with me. Uh, yeah, it might, it might be a quiet broadcast overall. I apologize <laughs> to draft fans. I wish I could be there because if draft does score a game winning touchdown, it's gonna be the most depressing call in twelve forty history. They, I was on the call when drafted it in 2016 in overtime. I was on the call then. I survived. Were you doing play-by-play I was then, asked though? back. Or is oh. Bill doing play-by-play? I guess you guys haven't figured that out yet. But. No, we haven't figured that out. I'm, I'm comfortable either way now. So I hope Bill does play-by-play, because if draft scores a game-winning touchdown as the clock expires, it's uh, just going to be dead air. Leland's going to be like, I, he I, throws it in the end zone. Oh, that'll I, be what I you hear. disagree. <laughs> I think I need the responsibilities of play-by-play. Because I think I need that what needs to be said. I don't like my opinion is going to get in the way of me saying anything. My reaction and I need the I have to say that it was having things I need to say rather than trying to make up reaction and uh, fighting the emotion that will come out of me. So, I mean, I'm a homer. I'm I'm calling it. I think it's worse this year than most years because I have called every Riverheads game this year. So it's I think it's hard to avoid this year. But, um, you know, once you get into the playoffs, being the homer call is not as bad. So I'm yeah. not against draft. I want draft to go. I want draft. I want Riverhead to beat the draft this game. And then I want draft to go win a state championship. Like, that's what I want to have happen. I'm a homer, but I still want our local teams to play well. Well, that's interesting because I just feel like, you know, more times than not. Um, and it hasn't been very often, but more times than not when Riverhead's in a struggle and it's close, you know, that's when Leland tightens up a little bit. So how I'm just very interested. How often is it? You act like this has like happened t- 20 times. A hundred percent of the times, a hundred percent of the times <laughs> I've been with you when Riverhead's has lost a game, you've gotten real tight, real clammy. So, so we're talking the Stanton game a couple years ago. What else do we got? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only. Cause I don't All think, right. I think the central game was at well. Woodstock and we didn't do yeah, that game. We didn't go. Yeah, and, and I mean, credit to Stanton that night. Jerome had a good game plan. They executed. It was good. They had a good players. All right, moving on. Oh, no, the other thing I wanted to say for the high school football is the plus one model. Everybody's forgetting about this. Uh, apparently, you can schedule the plus one game, and if you don't make the playoffs, you can schedule a plus one game. Waynesboro and Stanton playing next week. Stanton going to Waynesboro. So Waynesboro is going to have another opportunity for a victory there. That's I mean, great that's, for Waynesboro. Mm-hmm. Two one and four Stanton. football teams right now. So good opportunity for both teams to finish. One of those teams is going to finish with a happy smile on their face. So that'll be that'll be cool. I'm interested to see what else gets scheduled. I I'm just you know, I assume they'll schedule games. Like I think that's another week of practice, another game prep in a short season. Like there's benefit to that. I don't know though if some teams you know want to get their kids off to baseball season or, or you know so I, I don't i don't know what it'll be so I'm, I'm just interested to see how all that takes place next week when we record this podcast we'll probably know a lot more on that including where these playoff teams or uh playoff games are going to happen and who's who's coming to source draft and who's coming to riverheads so high school volleyball uh the big game i had highlighted last week was stanton at fort because stanton gave fort a little bit of a tough time earlier in the season 
Fort took care of them three games to one. So Stanton did did not get swept. So it was a good battle there. But the big highlight that I want to talk about is coming up Fort at Riverheads. Fort did sweep Riverheads last time they played, but these are the two best teams in the district. Fort sitting at six and zero in the district. Riverheads five and one. That one loss coming to Fort Defiance. These two teams are going to finish one two in the district, and they're and they both have postseason hopes. Fort just has to battle the mental block that was Rockbridge County beating them twice on back-to-back days early in the season. Um, so that's a big-time matchup. It's happening Wednesday night, so NFHS, watch it, or if you're one of the lucky ones to go to it, enjoy it, because uh, that'll be some pretty good volleyball. Yeah, I think that's going to be uh, an interesting yeah. matchup because if Fort sweeps them again, I think it just kind of goes to show you how much more dominant they've been this season than in years past because even last year when they had a good team i mean riverheads and fort were in battles i mean that was yeah that was those were some exciting matches so if Fort can go in here and sweep riverheads in a season series and man yeah unfortunately for them you know their region is better too i was gonna say unfortunately (laughs) their their region is so tough but yeah all right uh college basketball we'll talk about a bit of this later in the podcast when dan hansen comes on um the news I wanted to talk about from college basketball mostly, and, and plus we're recording on Monday and these elite eight games are happening. So we just, we're not going to dig into the tournament as much. Uh, Shaka smart. We talked about last week and you were talking about Texas, maybe firing him. I just, I said, I wouldn't do that if I was Texas. Um, Shaka must've been feeling the heat because he voluntarily let leaves Texas and all that money that Texas likes to throw him. Not that Marquette's not going to pay him any money, but they call it a going home for him and, and this and that. I think it's just avoiding being fired in the next 13 months, I think, or, or 11 months, probably. You know, I think he knew that he this was one of his better teams. He didn't get where he needed to there. He was feeling the pressure and he thought, why stick around another year that probably won't go as good as this one and then get fired when I can go to Marquette, have this homecoming kind of thing and uh, maybe reestablish what he is as a head coach. I mean, he earned a lot of respect at VCU. Uh, so I think that's what's happening. But in in the in the short term of what I'm saying, you were on it last week when you were talking about Texas maybe firing him. I think he was feeling exactly what you were saying. I think he was feeling that heat. There had to be conversations around him. And so unlike Roy Williams, I think you were a little bit closer to being right on this one. Well, and you say that, but I mean the players on Roy Williams' own team are saying he doesn't have it and he's gotta go. So I don't you know. You said a year ago that he was gonna be fired in that season. I said and, if and he did if happen, he only won two so. ACC games, he'd be fired. He won I think you said more four. than that because we we got the recording. You said, "Yeah, I wish I didn't say that." So whatever. We, um, yeah. When Joe's wrong, he's really not wrong. Is is what we that's that's <laughs> what we're that's what we've learned. Um, and and here I think if he wasn't fired, you know, in the off season, he was going to be fired after next year when yep, he didn't. I agree. When he didn't do well again in the tournament. And, yep. and again, I know you keep saying oh, I wouldn't do that if I was Texas, but they fired Rick Barnes for not going to the sweet 16, three years in a row. This guy has been in the tournament four out of five years. and He's lost to a double digit seed each time. So yeah. you can't have that. And Shaka smart did do great things at VCU, but regular season success, unlike at VCU, isn't what they're looking for at Texas. That's expected at Texas. So when you I'm don't do you a that lot of money to do better than that, yeah. When, when they're paying you money and then they, I mean, a lot of money and you can't get wins in the tournament. You can't get to sweet 16s. You can't get to the round of 32. Like they're not going to keep you around at Marquette. I think it's a, I, I if he's going to make a move, I, I think he chose a good spot. I think the big East is, I don't know. Marquette has been suffering. I mean, Buzz had him good. Buzz had him good. Yeah, yeah, good how long has it been since there. Bud was buzz was there? 
Yeah. And you would have thought that uh, Wojciechowski would have had him better. I, I agree with that point. But, I, you know, I don't think going to the Big East is a bad idea. And I, you're not going to, like, a perennial bottom feeder. You're not going to DePaul or, um, God, what's some of those other bottom Big East teams? Like, I think Marquette, you have potential. You can you can recruit Chicago hard. He already has roots. I just wonder. And, Go, finish your point. Sorry. He has roots in seven, five, seven and Virginia and North Carolina. Cause he had some of those kids on Texas. He has opened up roads in Texas. Like, I think it's not a bad stop. I don't, I can't like say, okay, here's a better place. I think, I think the big East where you are a multi-bid league and there is no dominant force in there other than Villanova. Villanova is dominant, but like you can be the second best team in that league in, in two years. Like I don't see why they couldn't be because they're not that far removed from being there. I just, I, I don't know, man. I'd heard rumors of like big 10 programs being interested in him. So in him, mm-hmm. there were, there was talks. If he gets fired at Texas, a big 10 team might hire him. So for if him, he goes and if he's a success, successful at market, those opportunities will be there. Yeah. But I don't think he will be, I guess is my point. Like I, I don't think he will be successful at Marquette. And I think that's going to be a problem. Get back to that havoc, like full out havoc. I, I think that's his, I think that's his mode, man. I think he's a better coach when that's what he's coaching. I think he's going to be playing better teams in, in the Big East than the CAA. And he played better teams in the Big 12 than the CAA. I think that was his problem. I think he's going to be playing lesser teams in the Big East than he was playing in the Big 12 this year. Yeah, he won't have a Kansas or a Baylor. Regular season. Yeah, he won't have a Kansas or a Baylor to play against. Like you said, it's Villanova, and then uh, Creighton is in the Big East now. So that'll be tough. But I don't know, man. I, I don't think... I know you say I'm not going to just like concede that Creighton is like they can't be better than Creighton in a couple years. Maybe not next year. Like maybe not. Yeah, in a couple like, years, Marquette will not be better than Creighton. I'll say that. I I think it's possible. Like, Unless I, the I'm NCAA drops the hammer on Creighton, that's not going to be a thing that happens. We look at that differently. Um. All right. College football. JMU got to play, and they okay. won thirty-eight to ten. I had no awareness of this happening. <laughs> I knew yeah. they were going to play, and then I saw a final. <laughs> it's William and Mary. I, mean, I don't yeah. know. What do you want me to say? Then they play Richmond this week. I, I just hope they stay healthy and keep playing. Uh, I think North Dakota is battling some COVID stuff now. North Dakota State. Sure. I, I don't know. I, I don't watch FCS football. I don't, it's during March Madness. If you're asking me to watch FCS football instead of March Madness, you might as well be asking me to build a rocket for NASA because it's just not going to happen. I did appreciate the one Riverheads game. I wasn't in person at the spring was the Stanton game. And uh, man, that game starting at six was perfect in that window where like there was only like one at max two games happening with my three TV setup. I was able to watch the whole Riverheads game uh, that night. So uh, I, you say like during March madness, this is happening. Like it worked out. I still, I still got to watch Riverheads football and my, my Homer lived. So, all right, let's get out of here and get to Dan Hansen as he was the second place finisher in the NFL pick and that apparently wins him something. All right, in the B block, our guest this week is Dan Hansen. He is on because he was the top finisher that isn't a host of this podcast in the NFL pick so we're going to celebrate mediocrity and second place finishes by having Dan on. 
Uh, but as a Mets fan, you'll take what he can get. So, Dan, thanks. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks for having me. And, and mediocrity has been the story of my life. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, people pick up that we, uh, there's going to be a lot of trash talk during this. So, Dan's my brother-in-law. So, just any listener can know that. Uh, just so you don't think I just treat random people this way. Uh, but, Dan, you know. Wherever you want to start in the world of sports, I have a list of stuff that I, I want to hit with you. But where, what's most important for you to put your voice on on the Exports podcast? I would tell you that the, the two things that are sort of on my mind this week in particular, NASCAR racing and even Major League Baseball. All right. So NASCAR racing, did you watch that dirt race today? Did you get home from work and watch it? I Yes and no. I, I started <laughs> recording it um, and, of course, got off work late like usual. Um, but ended up watching the entire thing, made sure I was, I was ready to go for tonight and enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, I'm glad they got the track ready to go. I'm glad they were able to do it. And it, it was, it was, it was awesome. And they've already announced next year it's happening again. So I'm I mean, pretty- NASCAR they just can't catch a break. They have this, this one thing that like, I'm not even a huge NASCAR fan. Joe is more of a NASCAR fan than I am. And he's not much of one. You know, this, we talk about this all the time, Dan, they had me interested. They had me locked in for Sunday afternoon. I'm going to watch dirt track race. And I was talking about it during Daytona. And then of course the weather hits like they just can't catch a break. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's, it's, it's part of the sport. It's outdoors. It's, you know, you, you can't drive them, but so much weather, but I, I think that's, you know, NASCAR took a big swing this year with their, with their schedule and, and Leland and I have talked about this before, but I get, so tired of the same tracks over and over and over again, the same mile and a half ovals over and over and over again. The fact that they took this, this, these chances this year with the dirt and with more road courses and just a, with, with more variety, if this works and gets, gets more attention, I, I truly think the next thing they, that they need to look at is better weather abled cars. I see it on the road courses. They run, they run rain tires. They run windshield wipers. I mean, to be able now, you ain't able to do it every course. I mean, you're not running Talladega at 200 miles an hour in the rain. <laughs> but I think some of these shorter tracks, some of these different types of courses, let's see them race in the rain. Let's watch the best drivers in the world. Theoretically, we need an Aspen like, track. We need an Aspen track. That's where we've decided. Need for Speed did it. Why can't NASCAR? Wow. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> I do agree with you on the mile and a half stuff. I mean, that's that's those are the races I just can't watch. I mean, when I'm watching a race that I can tell within 50 laps, unless a guy runs into the back of somebody, he's going to win the race. It's just not exciting for me. And, and it's, and you got to have some of them. I, I get that. You know, the, the, it's, it's part of the variety, but, and I, and I, I, I'm a big NASCAR guy. I like it, but man, you start in the middle of that season and it's nothing but the same style track over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Even I'm tuning out and, and I'll, there, I mean, there's just big times during the season. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Let's let's move on. We know who the top 16 are going to be. And that's the other thing this year has created is you have seven different winners in seven different races. And some of them are, are the guys you'd expect. I mean, Joey Logano won today. He was going to be in the, the, the playoffs. But you've got some of these other guys um, that, that, uh, that have, Christopher Bell is a good example. He's who's already Donald, won. the Daytona winner. Right. Uh, exactly. So you've already got a couple different winners. You get one or two others and you're going to see some names that aren't in the playoffs that you go, wow, I'm surprised. Um, very unlike college football where you always get the same team. Thank right? you. 
Thank you. And it's not a true playoff. Yeah. Wow. Going after me. I, I see you. Um, I'm loving I like this interview so far. I how they had the dirt track, like the guys that they thought would be good on dirt track, and they kind of talked them up, and they performed well at times. Mm-hmm. But I like that the dirt track was like evening things out, and uh, that Suarez guy was leading a lot of the middle of the race, and like he had never raced on dirt before. I, I thought that was awesome. I thought that was great storylines during the race. It, it was. And maybe one of the better lines w- was Martin Truex Jr., with all of his dirt racing experience was undefeated on dirt tracks until, until the, the cup race. Wow. He'd won it. He'd won his like charity of any race one time. And he won the truck race earlier that day. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought right, so. it was interesting. The parts that I got to see of it, I didn't get to watch the whole race and I'm, I'm very little in fact, but I mean the part, the small segment I watched was uh, I caught the replay of the big uh, accident that where the front end got ripped off of mm-hmm. uh, what's his face yeah and, and uh when he, uh byron went in there and uh got under somebody and then turned him sideways and it caused a big accident but and then i think there was another one shortly thereafter uh but yeah and maybe you can tell me because you watch more of the race but i know they were really worried about the tire issue there and the rules that nascar put awesome. in was that did that rear its head during this race or uh, the did tire, they navigate that? The tires were, were perfect. Mm. The first segment, I mean, and, and, and you watched it. So NASCAR did something pretty smart. They had, you know, every 50 laps basically was, was either a competition caution or the, or the stage end, mm-hmm. which I thought was brilliant. The tires had about 50 laps on them. Everybody needed, everybody knew that they, they wore differently as the race went on. I think I saw what might have been one tire pop the whole race and even then he might have hit something so right i don't i I think the tires were a non-issue i think the track after the debacle that i was watching saturday morning they it could not have been a better track today i I think they did a really good job with that um just overall overall it was it was a really good interesting just a little more than two hours which was a great length also, you know, again, going back to that sort of four hour slog of a race, it's just, <laughs> you get tired of it. it was even so much to the point that the pit stops were interesting because they didn't have fast pit stops. They actually stopped the entire race, gave all the teams three minutes to, to, to fix their cars. And you got, you saw guys, they shut them all down. You could hear like the air guns. You watched guys with torque wrenches actually torque the lug nuts. It was actually pretty interesting. I mean, I worked in a mechanic shop uh, early in my uh, career, and I, people there would have been embarrassed about how slow some of those guys were. I mean, they were taking their time; they're making sure they didn't lose a nut, you know, anything. Like they, they were going slow. Old, old Hubie from Valley uh, Augusta Dodge would have been embarrassed at how slow that was going. I think even your uncle might have changed the tire faster when he did. <laughs> <laughs> and when United sent him down for a team building exercise, yeah. So I have, I have one more thing before we jump off the Bristol dirt track. And it's something that I thought maybe they would give a shot in the first one. And especially at Bristol, it's a small track. I don't know how you feel about it, but maybe letting them build up some speed or be able to get more loose and cover more of the track doing like they do at, at your local dirt track, doing some heat races and, and doing qualifying that way. And just making a day of it instead of, I understand you got the other series that you, you have with NASCAR, but Maybe just the when the weather cooperates, just making a day of it. And that's another way, like you said, yeah, a four-hour race is hard, but if you got a lot of mini races, heat races, and then the main event, that's a one way to kind of keep fans engaged all day. 
Yeah, they were supposed to, I think. I think sat Saturday schedule mm-hmm. was supposed to be truck series heat races, cup series heat races, then the truck race itself. So I think that was kind of the plan. I, I actually think they should expand on that next year and do a Saturday night cup race after that sort of day, like you're talking about. That would be that'd be a ticket to 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 get right there. And hopefully by then we'll 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 pack the the we'll pack it again, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Funny enough, like everybody I know that goes to races was at a Clark, uh, the the guy that was on the podcast a couple weeks ago. For our listeners, he was there. Uh, me and Dan had a mutual friend, mutual coworker that was down there. Like the guys I know that go to races, they were there. So yeah, there was that's a big old place. I guess there was tickets out there. All right, so baseball. I already alluded to your Mets fandom, so people are probably already going ahead and skipping ahead on this because, I mean, what are we going to talk about in the Mets? Like, come on. Like, I know you have some kind of hope. It, the Mets fandom reminds me of Redskins fandom, or excuse me, Washington football team fandom. It's like every preseason there's like, oh, we're going to be better because of this. And then, you know, 20% into the season you're like, oh, that was wrong. <laughs> okay, I hear you. But we're going to be better because of this. Yes. <laughs> Talk to you in May. <laughs> the, the starting pitching is as good as it's ever been. You got Jacob DeGrom, who's won two Cy Youngs in the last three years. Looking looking good in spring training already. Blowing the fastball by people. You've got, you know, Syndergaard will come back here in a couple of months. Carrasco will hopefully be there. I mean, the starting pitching is going to be there. I think Edwin Diaz is going to be a, a, a big a big question mark for me. They all said he looked better last year. And I don't know that I saw that, but maybe he was uh, as, as their closer. The lineup is as good as, as good as I've seen probably since the eighties, quite honestly. Um, hopefully with a few less enhancements. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sure. know if all of it was enhancing. I was going to say inhibitors. Their experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I mean, you got to believe, right? <laughs> so um tough division i mean the braves and the and the nationals are both right there and then i mean if you get through that then you got to hit that juggernaut that is the dodgers so while i, I love that a lot you of, left the phillies out it just makes me so happy that you left the phillies out of that i don't think the phillies are going to be good <laughs> i know but it just makes me happy knowing that john's going to hear this oh john <laughs> is going to hear it john's gonna be upset about that but I'll, I'll tell john like i don't think the phillies are going to be good i think john would say the phillies aren't going to be good uh, the third team I, I would throw in there, and maybe even second ahead of the Nationals, if the Marlins build on what they did last year, I know it's a young team and it was a shortened season, so that helped them a little bit, but they've got some good young pitching. If they can get the lineup to to gel with that, that's a team that can COVID be tough. Out the way early, they'll be good, yeah. The, the Marlins aren't going to be terrible. I think the Marlins are just outmatched. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's one of those, it's like the AL East was years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in, 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 in all fairness, you had, you know, the the Yankees, the Red Sox, even the Blue Jays, and here's the Rays trying to come up. Well, you know, when you're and you love the Orioles out, love it too. It's <laughs> those teams that were just murderers row every time you face them. So I, I think that's where the Marlins are going to sit this year. They're going to look better. They're going to play better. I think they're going to be a better team. They're just still, I think, are the fourth best team in a stacked division. Um, and as far back to dude, the Phillies have a slightly better chance of making the playoffs than the Orioles this year. <laughs> well, according to fan graphs, that's 0. 0.0. So <laughs> <laughs> although seeing right. our rotation, I don't 
yeah, seeing the people that were named like the number two and number three starter, I was like, oh, okay, I can see how we have 0.0. 0. Yeah. So who looking at the Major League Baseball season, uh, you know, you want the Mets to win, but who do you think, who, who would, if you had to put money on it, a, you know, $10 bill, you had to take out of your wall, put it on a team, who are you putting it on this year? It, you'd be hard not to put it on the Dodgers, honestly. I mean, I hate to say it because I don't want that to be true, but yeah. in, in, in a certain level, I kind of almost hope I'd almost rather see see the Mets hit the Dodgers in a short series than a long series. And I know that sounds crazy, but I, I think for some crazy reason, I kind of think the starting pitching just is that much more important. You, you know, you can get Kershaw once, and if you can and uh, if you can beat him that one time, right? <laughs> and it's, to be fair, you take put put Kershaw against Degrom. Who do you got? A coin flip, maybe. In the playoffs, I mean, I know I know Kershaw was better last year in the playoffs, but I mean, over the course of the career, I mean, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. So, so you you coin flip the first game and then pray like you know pray the rest of the series, I guess. No, but you're right. I mean, it, and especially going into a series where you know that the Dodgers are the better overall team, the fewer games you have, you know, March Madness is that's what makes the upsets happen. It's a one game right. series. If Oral Roberts had to go play Ohio State, you know, in a best of seven, Ohio State's going to crush Oral Roberts. So, but it's a best of one. So in, in your scenario, you know, hey, if we get the Dodgers for this best of five, maybe we can take them out. I I, I think that's the better scenario. Again, I I mean, Mets all the way this year, but uh, no, it's going to be, gonna be it's going to be a tough, tough road to hoe. So... Two more topics. I'm gonna say so you. I'll let you talk about you what you wanted to talk about first. Now we're now I'm gonna bring stuff up. You're a Nebraska football fan. How's that treating you? It's it's wonderful. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nebraska football since birth. Let's let's keep it going. But it, it's honesty on the table. It's it's been a tough couple of months. Um, it's been a tough couple of years. <laughs> I. Tough couple coaches. <laughs> Tough couple coaches. Let's talk about Frost. You you have you have your thoughts on Frost. I I still believe in Scott Frost. I I truly do. I, and I, and here's why and here's why I say that. Because if he's not the guy, there's not another guy. It, it, if he can't write the ship, I don't know who you bring in. I I mean, you're not. Who are you going to bring in if he's not the guy? So. I, you know, and, and, and we, and there's been some growth in the last several years, you, you know, with that. I still have the same kicker. I mean, that was good. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Always. <laughs> you're still like Taylor playing quarterback. You're good to go. But I've, what's bothered me more than the, the, probably the two biggest stories out of the off season that have bothered me is, is, is what was seemingly like a, a player exodus there. I think five or six starters left. That, that is. And guys that were, I was looking at and saying they're the future of the team. Uh, that's, that's probably, I mean, that's, that's a tough one. I, I, I still don't know what to make of that. I don't know if it, if it was them deciding just to go somewhere else. If it's a, if it's a coaching issue, like what's, what's going on to make this many players leave. I'm not super surprised that um, uh, Luke McCaffrey left only because it seemed like, Frost was going with Martinez. Um, you know, that's what happens with quarterbacks, but like the running backs and the wide receivers and all those guys, that was a tough pill to swallow. And and then just the, 
I'm going to call it a debacle of the trying to reschedule the Oklahoma game. Like, yeah, what was that all about? They claim it was about money and trying to get another home game. Here's the reality. <laughs> if you're Nebraska football and you're trying to make and you, and you can't make money, I mean, they're practically printing money in Lincoln with the donors and such. So why do you need to pay somebody to come in for a win when you could have Oklahoma come in and double your ticket price? Well, they're going to they're, they're playing at Oklahoma this year. So but then they owe you one and they're coming back and you'll make your money then. Uh, um. Yeah, it was just a weird look all the way around. No matter how you slice it, it, it maybe it was a money play. I'd like to think that, that, that what they're giving us is the truth, but it's just a weird look all the way around. And I, I don't know how you walked that one back. I don't know that they did it very well, if I'm being perfectly honest about it. Well, I, I just want to make sure as we're talking about Nebraska football that you know that Tyrod Taylor and Danny Cole are thinking about you. I appreciate that. That's <laughs> Well, Danny Cole's they're thinking about me too. <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to, I wanted to say what, what you thought of, and this is kind of, I don't disagree with if Scott Frost can't fix it. I don't know if anyone can, like, I, I do think Nebraska maybe is unfixable, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts on kind of what led up to the fall season where you had Scott Frost, kind of the first guy out of the breach being like, we want to play, you know, let the kids play, let the kids play. And then after what happened this year to Nebraska, where they just got steamrolled in almost every single game, um, do, does that, as a Nebraska fan, does that like feed into, and then you have the transfers, does that feed into the, oh, we are unfixable kind of? Because I got to be honest, if Justin Fuente was like the guy and I didn't see anyone else being able to fix it and this is what was happening at Virginia Tech, I would be depressed. Oh, at least Scott Frost comes in with a better resume when he came in and he's a Nebraska guy, which I know we make fun of Michigan, Michigan man and Madison man's, but like, at least that's the difference between Fuente and Frost. Like at least Frost like has a reason to be there. Fuente can leave at any time. That'd that'd be nice. I I, I also, the, the other big thing, if we're, if we're truly comparing the two is Justin Fuente inherited a top 25 program. Oh, true. Oh yeah. Okay. And has, I won't say run it into the ground, but let's say he might've fire there. (laughs) Um, Nebraska. I mean, they, they had, I mean, to be fair, since they fired Frank Solich when he was a nine and three coach, and then they fired Bo Pelini at a nine and three coach. And, and, when Mike Riley was hired, I said to Leland, I think he, you know, he's, he's keeping the seat warm for Scott Frost, who at that point was just uh, a, an offensive coordinator at Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you don't just jump from that to a power five program usually. Um, but I, I, I still think, I think there's room to grow. I think the, the people that are making the decisions realize that I think he still has, five or six years left on his contract. Um, so I, 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 I think they're, I think they're kind of giving him some rope. I just worry how much there's is left to it in all honesty. Uh, but I, again, I sort of look at it and go, who, who else you got? You're not hiring Nick Saban away from Alabama anytime soon. Right. <laughs> you know? well, all right. So 
You go, Joe. I was going to say, I, I I agree, and it's kind of why I feel like Nebraska might be unfixable because five, six years left on his contract. If Nebraska is truly having a money issue problem, like they're claiming with why they want to reschedule the Oklahoma game, and he gets, let's say, three more years of that, five or six years left on his deal, that can be irreparable damage to a program like Nebraska. It's not, it's not like these programs in the SEC or the South where, hey, come on, we got good weather, you know, all this stuff. Come on down. Nebraska, you're pitching snow and corn to these kids. Like, it's just not the same as, you know, an Alabama or a Florida or a Miami or a Florida State or, you know, even Ohio State can say, hey, we have been great forever. Like, come on to Ohio State. You you couldn't be more right. I've made that argument repeatedly and <laughs> to Leland, I know. You know, first off, this – Nebraska hasn't been good in as long as the kids, their kids yeah. lives that they're pitching to mm-hmm. um, back in the, you know, back in the day, seventies, eighties, whatever that Nebraska coach could sit in a, in a living room and go, I'm going to put you on national TV five times a year. And you're going to go, wow, I'll walk on for that. And now every single team, every single week is on national television. So that's no longer a chip. So you're right. You're pitching corn and snow versus, you know, beaches and and, and warm weather. It, it's frankly not that different of a problem than you got in Blacksburg. Yeah. What, what are you pitching to these 18-year-old Cold. kids? Cold. Cold. <laughs> Maybe less corn, but just as cold. Yeah. Cold and <laughs> so, mountains. Yeah. If we're recruiting 757, we're, we're saying close to home with, like, one of the hotbeds recruiting. But we're not even doing that well anymore. Right. So, you know, is Scott Frost doing any more irreparable damage than what was done in the last three coaching regimes? I don't know. You have a longer rope. Yeah. I don't know that he's making it worse. I just worry how much better he's making it. And time will tell, hopefully. Well, see, and for me, I think it's what makes it worse is the longer you get from that success, the harder it gets. Because if it's like a, hey, you know, for Virginia Tech, you know, 20. 2007, the mid 2000s was kind of when they were good. Um, for Nebraska, it's kind of a little further back than that. 97. Yeah, and 97. so you're, yeah, you're like, hey, uh, when your parents were kids, we were good. Um, <laughs> but so it's it's kind of hard. And for Virginia Tech, at least they can say, you know, hey, you know, when your when your folks were in college, we were dominant. Like we can get back there. Like. <laughs> But, but does it get, but, but at what point, and I, and your point's not invalid, certainly. And when you're talking in the scope of years, I, it's very valid, but at what point is there, is it no longer diminishing? Is it yeah, at 20 years? That's is fair. 30 years. It ne- never been. <laughs> it, that's fair. You know, again, I, 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 I think, I think you give him, you give him time. And I know I keep saying that, but you I mean, you got to believe, right? All right, so quick answers only, shift into bracket. I want to know what pick in your bracket you liked your, the most. Like, what, what worked out for you that you want to brag about? And then tell, tell me the one that destroyed you the most. It doesn't have to be your national championship pick, but tell me a positive and a negative about your bracket this year. Um, I think I still have Gonzaga on my bracket. <laughs> that might be the most positive that I've got. Um, you have Michigan and- in the final. I do have Michigan. Yeah. So, but honestly, my bracket is, is beyond doom this year. Um, and maybe, 
my worst pick for two reasons was Illinois. I, I thought they were, I, frankly, the whole entire Big Ten. If you look at my bracket up and down, I had the Big Ten all over the place when clearly I should have had the Pac-12. Yeah, they um, all got sucked in. But Illinois probably stands out because once the brackets were revealed, I had Illinois as my national championship. I looked at Shonda, my wife, Leland's brother, Leland's sister, <laughs> sorry. And, uh, and I was like, how concerns do you, me you don't get that right? How do you have Rexel over Illinois? And like made fun of her because she picked the 16 over the one. I was like, I told you never pick a 16 over a one. And of course, oh, that went back once. to home. It's happened once. It happened once. But the other thing, just real quick story on the brackets because it is pretty funny. I have basically given up on trying to like make like scientific figure out and just go all in on these brackets. 10 years ago was Shonda's first bracket. And she goes, how come you guys didn't invite me? I want to do this. And we're like, okay, sure. Whatever. And that's when I told her, never pick a 16 over a one. And just other than that, any theory goes, pick your sports colors, pick your favorite state. It is in some ways it doesn't matter. And she made her bracket and she goes, I pick brackets based on who has the best, best ballet program. And <laughs> would you know, your Butler made the final four at the best ballet. <laughs> so um, I, 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 I was like, okay, I'm just going to make some picks and have fun with it. <laughs> awesome. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for playing NFL pick for the podcast and, uh, and joining in on the bracket and anything else we do. And thanks for listening. And uh, if you win, I, I'm not bringing you on for second place again. You got to win. Like that's, that's like, fair. I mean, for you, like, I have to listen to you say all this stuff every every Sunday and whenever we go to Armstrong. So uh, you got to win. You got to win something. I, I I appreciate that. I'll I'll work on the winning. Mets, and, if the Mets win the World Series, we'll bring you on. That well, then he better win a contest because <laughs> that's not happening. We'll record live from Long John Silver's that day. Yes. <laughs> all right. Now I'm in. <laughs> we got to go find one that's not burnt down. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to tell sometimes, though. I mean, sometimes you I go just, to another one in another city. We might not know when we pull up to it. It, it really doesn't look any different. I actually <laughs> thought modeling the outside. I was like, oh, that looks like fresh paint. And Sean was like, no. <laughs> I hope it rises from the ashes, but I don't know. I, I told Leland, rule number one of Long John Silver's is you never rebuild the Long Johns. So, like, <laughs> right. whatever happens, happens, and it's just done. <laughs> That's right. All right, Dan, the man. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one, guys. All right. And again, thanks to Dan Hansen for joining us and uh, giving us some nice things to talk about. And if you're a NASCAR fan, that was probably the most in-depth NASCAR you'll ever get on this podcast. So easily. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but we hope you enjoyed it. And if you're a Mets fan, you know, that's cool, too, I guess. But Leland, what is dominating your life? What's dominating my life is looking at all these brackets and seeing that you didn't have Loyola in the Yahoo bracket in the non Yak Sports bracket, but that's that's fine. Um, looking at, I did. Uh, uh, what are we talking are about? You Sixteen and one. No. Are you? Oh, I've been looking at the wrong Joseph, thinking it was you. <laughs> well, he had Loyola winning some games too. Ah, that's my bad. Edit that out. All right. Um, no, it's staying in. You not knowing which one I am is staying in. Go ahead. All day. I did. I, I looked at that wrong. All right. So anyway, 
We are here in the D block where I'm trying to prove Joe wrong any way I can. And usually it's easier than this. I just had a bad moment there. What's happening in my life was uh, birthdays. A lot of birthdays at my house this past week between my middle kid and my wife. And they both celebrated uh, with uh, a small group of family on Saturday. And it was very nice. Uh, it was very kid themed. I say my wife celebrated. She, you know, put on a party for a uh, six year old. So, <laughs> but, uh, it reminded me of how uh, much she's dedicated as a mother and doing great things for our kids and showing her love through, you know, creating good experiences for them, which is always nice. And uh, on my Facebook, I think I said to that point, but I wanted to say it uh, verbally on here as well. And it was a lovely party to have our parents, uh, both of our parents there. So I have some grandparents there and some cousins and it was good. Our, our usual bubble here. So uh, it was good and it was Bluey themed and Bluey is awesome. Bluey is one of those like cartoons like I don't want to talk it up too much to you and I'm really not going to make you watch it but like it's just a different vibe than every other kid show I ever experienced when I was a kid or now like it really rides that rail of you know making parents laugh as well as the kids and it's not ever inappropriate like it's not like Shrek or something where there's like kind of double entendre jokes like it's not like that it's just I mean there's some episodes that I think are just aimed at parents I mean there was one where you know the the kid character is like running through the woods with their grandpa, but the grandpa needs to be like calming down. And it's basically a whole episode about like the mom wanting the dad to listen to doctors and listen to advice. So like, but he's around and like, that's the whole point of the episode. That's deep for a kid to watch, but um, great for parents to like, see that message. And like it worked as a kid's cartoon because it still had the love and the fun of, a, of an episode. So I uh, like that show a lot. So if you do have little ones and you're listening to this podcast, Bluey, I can't recommend it enough. Everybody I know that has kids and watch Bluey, like kind of, we have the same conversation that it's just, it's built differently than every other little kid show. And uh, it's awesome. It's, and it's from Australia. So like they say some funny things sometimes that, you know, they call, they call bathrooms, different things. And, uh, and breakfast, different things. Like I, I, I always appreciate that when, when you can slip that kind of stuff in there. So, okay. <laughs> I'll take your word like for Australia. it. I'm a product of the eighties. I like Australia and quicksand. All right. Well, <laughs> can't compete with that, but, uh, <laughs> what is dominating my life is the move is over for the most part. All the stuff has left the old apartment and it's made it to the new apartment. It's now just a matter of unpacking and putting stuff away, but I'm hoping by the time we record, all that is done as well. Um, I've got more. Re record again, like next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The time we record <laughs> next get week. To it. We've been recording for an hour. Yeah, no, the time <laughs> that we record next week, it'll be done because I've got more space to, you know, put stuff and. Uh, Spacious and luxurious. Yeah, it's going to be good. So I'm very happy. Um, I had a lot of help and if you're listening to this and you were one of those, I appreciate that Leland is, was one of those, um, you know, and Hey, I helped Leland by telling his war stories to the other people and, you know, they're very understanding of why Leland couldn't actually help, you know, outside of barking orders, not to break people, not for people not to break their ankles on his trailer, break their ankles on that darn trailer. Yeah. Um, which, you know, everyone was very appreciative of because nobody wanted to break an ankle there. And uh, Leland did a great job at that. And again, Showed uh, everyone, up the trailer. that's what I did. Yeah, yeah, everyone was very understanding of, you know, Leland's inabilities uh, to carry other stuff. But he also had a handcart, which was very clutch and really did 
save the day because I was really worried we were going to lose someone <laughs> with the washer and the dryer. And this is where, like, if we owned any rights to music as a podcast, the Jefferson's theme would be playing. Because, I mean, you're moving on up. That place is nice. I like it. I was pumped for your move. I, I think we had some great examples while we were moving you out of the old place of why it's nice to get out of there with the aroma coming from down the parking lot uh, from other uh, people in your yeah. uh, old place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, I mean, it's a The nice Robert place. Morris students, yeah. yeah. The Robert Morris students were were herbally uh enjoying themselves but anyway um they the new place is awesome i really like where it is it's such a nice neighborhood um it seems quiet uh there wasn't there wasn't riffraff hanging around there wasn't and i you know it's just a much nicer place and uh i'm glad you're over there and you know i think you'd be able to like leave something on your back porch and it might not disappear overnight i think that's a cool thing for you because at the old place I was happy to stand outside the whole time we were out there. So <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> make sure everything was fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, I'm excited uh, once everyone is able to get vaccinated and stuff to be able to come over and watch some games in a, in a bigger Throw room, down. bigger Turn room. That neighborhood up. Yeah. Uh, maybe not all <laughs> the way up, but yeah, be able to grill and uh, have some people over and, and watch some games and have a good time. I think that's going to be great. But that's good. It'll be good. Yeah, and I only had to curse at Comcast on the phone once, so that was good. Uh, Sunday, um, use some not very, you know, Sunday approved language or podcast approved language. But sometimes when you're talking to Comcast and they're trying to charge you seventy bucks for incompetence, you got to scream at them and tell them no, you're not. And uh, you know, we didn't have to pay seventy dollars this weekend, so that's good. That's always awesome. The other thing I so, know that you need to know is the 2021 Orioles Hall of Fame class. This is this isn't on my radar, so yeah. This is maybe this is one of my favorite Orioles Hall of Fame classes. I did go to the Orioles Hall of Fame game that Cal Ripken got inducted to the Orioles Hall of Fame. Or no, I'm sorry. I did not. Mike Bordick was. And the the reason Cal Ripken came up there is because Mike Bordick, when he was thanking all the people that helped him along the way, very noticeably did not thank Cal Ripken, which has made me have, you know, kind of a jaded stance on Mike Portick. But anyway, this year's Hall of Fame class for the Orioles is J.J. Hardy, which is the guy for me in the Orioles' most recent successful uh, window. He was my favorite Oriole during that window. J.J. Hardy was just a monster. He is, in my opinion, behind Cal Ripken, and if I'm being honest, Manny Machado. But behind them, up there in all-time Orioles shortstops. So I, I'm so happy he's in the Orioles Hall of Fame this year. And then you add Joe Angel, the voice of the Baltimore Orioles on the radio for many, many years, going into the Hall of Fame, too. That's awesome. And Mike Devereaux, I think, is the other guy that's in there. Do you need any Mike Devereaux baseball cards? Because I probably have like 40 Don Ross Mike Devereaux cards. If you, if you need one, I can I can spare it. I'd have to talk to my brother. He's got the baseball card collection between the two <laughs> of us. He doesn't need it. If he has a baseball card collection, he also has 40 Mike Devereaux cards. Yeah. And Don Ross 91s. So. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'm very excited. And, you know, I, I just, it's great that the Orioles are finally getting Hardy in there and Joe Angel. Um I'm just really excited. It's going to be so exciting the the next few Hall of Fame Orioles Hall of Fames because it's going to be people who were on the team when they made the run uh, and won the AL East in 2014 and made that run to the ALCS. 
It's going to be Nick Markakis and Adam Jones here in a few years. It's it's going to be those guys. So it's just great to see J.J. Hardy get honored. He's going to go into the Orioles Hall of Fame. And it, just so awesome. I just wish they had the museum still there. Uh, but unfortunately, that went out of business, I guess, because not enough people went. And uh, something I was seeing here when I pulled it up here, they're also, I guess it's previously announced, but also like officially in this class, uh, Mogaba's going in too. So that's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. I was focusing on the actual player personnel, but yeah, Mogaba going into the Orioles Hall of Fame is great too, because, and we've talked about that story on this podcast, but uh, it's something that needs to be done. And I'm sure the Ravens will get to it in the offseason too and make sure he's in the Ring of Honor. I know there's talk of making the gold MO in Baltimore in the end zone uh, permanent. Uh, they did it last year, and it was you know, yeah, kind of awesome. rumored to be a one-year thing. But now there's talk about making it permanent, which I think would be a great way to honor him and yeah. just his general attitude and, and what they're trying to do for those charities. It represents so much uh, to, to honor him. Uh, it, you know, it honors him, but also honors a, a big aspect of support for the organization mm-hmm. and, um, and what they try to support going out. So, yeah, I, I think I'd be all about that. I'm, you know, I'm not a big Ravens fan, but awesome for them to do something like that and completely support uh anything they do for mo is awesome so all good stuff there so getting out of here on this podcast we gave you a lot of high school football and we will continue to do that through the playoffs so make sure your friends and family know what we're doing here on the exports podcast talking local sports that you the augusta county sports fan care about and you're going to be able to do that by interacting with us on twitter or facebook using the at yak sports pod uh, name or emailing us with the yak sports pod at gmail.com email address and then make sure you're subscribed and uh, catching us from Podbean, apple google or spotify and uh, all your friends can do that just like you are and we will be back next week with more high school football talk and volleyball talk and we'll be wrapping up the uh, tournament next week so we have plenty to talk about then and we'll talk to you then you've been listening to yak sports your augusta county sports podcast 